URC Youth Trialogue. Free people, free questions, free values. So welcome to all of our panellists and welcome to everybody who is watching along at home, whether you are watching live or watching back at a later time. Welcome and we hope that this will be an opportunity for you to explore um, our theme and tonight we are looking at the theme of hostile environment. So we are thinking about the question hostile or hospitable, responding to the hostile environment. And this is part of a wider um, focus on the hostile environments from URC youth throughout, across the last month, throughout May, they have been exploring the hostile environment. So there's lots on their social media that you can look back at, um, about the hostile environment, but we hope that tonight is an opportunity to explore this topic in more detail um, and to learn more about it and think about what our response might be to the hostile environment. So we're really excited to hear from our panelists and to also hear from you. You can get involved, the details are on your screen. You can use Slido to send in your questions and comments um, and get involved in tonight's discussion. You can do that using Slido, or if you're watching on Facebook, you can also share comments on the Facebook page. We ask that you do that on the URC Youth Trialogue Facebook page, because that is being monitored, or to use the Slido instructions on your screen. So before we get started with our discussion, I'm gonna lead us in a short prayer ahead of our discussion. So let us pray. Lord, we pray for our discussion this evening as we explore together the topic of the hostile environment in relation to immigration policies in the UK. We pray for everybody who's impacted by the hostile environment and we pray for all of our panellists tonight as we explore this together and everyone at home. We hope that we will um, learn more about you through our discussions and think about what our, how we can respond to the hostile environment. Amen. So, um, we sent out some questions to our panellists to reflect on before, um, before this episode. So we're gonna start off with those questions. Just a reminder that you can send in your questions as well and do that via Slido. So our first question, was thinking about the theme, so we asked our panelists, what does the term hostile environment mean to you? So I'm gonna invite our panelists to share about that first. Um, could we start with um, C, could you share your thoughts on what the term means to you? Um, hostile environment to me, what it means is literally um, where someone is not welcome at all. You are not welcome, and um, um, every means necessary is, if you are there, then has to be used to remove you out of the place from where you are. That's my own understanding of what hostile is, meaning that you can't do anything. You are tied up like right, left, and center. Um, you can't, you will not be productive, really. And if you are doing, then it's literally um, in terms of um, going back in the 30s on the 40s, 1930s, 1940s about, about um, slavery. So that draws to minds to that. So when you put that in that context, then you have the hostility or hostile environment, what's 
the way it is being defined. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for sharing. Um, and Simeon, could you share your thoughts on what the term hostile environment means to you? Yeah, thanks, Tom. I, I think there are, are two meanings um, for me. I think the first one is the one that, that C has just been talking about, which is the way that um, many um, immigrants in particular describe the culture that they experience when they come to the UK, or maybe it's in a different country, but thinking particularly about the UK at the moment, a culture where they're not made to feed feel welcome, where they experience discrimination and abuse. And, and I think Riddy and C can probably both speak from, from more personal experience of that than I can, but it, it, it may be something that they experience from the attitudes of government, or um, we see it in the media, or in uh, people who are running public services or businesses or in the community. So I think that's the kind of the big picture of, of what hostile environment is about, it's about culture. The second, I think, is a much more specific and technical uh, meaning, um, because the hostile environment is also a name for a, a set of measures that were put in place, that have been put in place by the British government, largely over the last nine or ten years, um, that are designed to make life so difficult for people who can't prove that they uh, have the right to live in this country, that they will choose to leave. That's the intention of the, of the policies. Um, uh, Two or three years ago, I was involved in putting together a report on this as part of um, JPIT, the Joint Public Issues Team, which is how four of our churches, um, church denominations, work together on, on these issues. Um, and when we did that report, we described the hostile environment policies um, as a poisoned web. A web uh, because they're designed to catch people out uh, if they don't have the right paperwork to be uh, prove their right to be in the country. Um, and poisoned because uh, if, you, if you fail those checks, there's the continuous threat of either detention or deportation um, for any who, who fail those checks. Um, those checks that you might face not only when you're looking for employment, but also when you're trying to um, find a place to live or access healthcare or education or banking. Um, and there are serious um, uh, fines or, or um, prosecution is, is at risk for people who are employers or landlords or whatever else, if you get it wrong. So people tend to err on the side of caution and therefore that hostility spreads. It's not just in the government policy, it's in everyday life. It turns us all into border guards. Um, you, you might remember that uh, two or three years ago, um, there was kind of quite a scandal when it was revealed how members of the Windrush generation had been caught by this set of policies. And as a result, they, um, there were some changes made mainly cosmetic ones and it was renamed the government officially renamed them from hostile environment to the compliant environment as if that was any better um, but actually very little has changed so far um, and so uh, that, that set of policies are really mostly still in place and they're causing destitution they're causing discrimination they're causing distrust in society okay thanks Simeon. thanks for sharing that and for yeah, that context around it as well. Um, Riddy, I'd like to invite you to share your thoughts. What does the hostile environment mean to you? So hostile environment, on my term, that just means torture, racism, abuse, and not understanding where the person's coming from. They put so much barriers in the way they use the rules, the rules against migraines. It's so hard, you know? They're hostile, like you feel like you're not wanted. Like wanted, like you feel like you don't belong here. Like you get to a place where like, it's so strict 
where a human life does not exist and they know they're torturing a human life. The way we the way we see it is like, you remember when if you go back, uh, Hitler used to torture people in a gas chamber. They use the same amount of method, but the only difference is they hold you without the gas chamber. They keep you in this place and you can be there for God knows how long. Way of torture for you to dismantle yourself and say, you know what, I've had enough, I'm going to go back. If going back means torture, let me just go back because this is torture. So the hostile is so strict and like, there's so many meanings to it and terms to it that you can describe what a hostile environment is like. There's people that's honestly telling the truth or they're facing torture. They're just trying to, you know, get that second chance of life. But the rules that's been put forward, it's not giving them that chance. No, out of 100, only 10 will get through. And some are, some are still struggling as we speak now. So to me, it's still harsh. It's very harsh. That's what I see as a hostile environment. Thanks, Rudy. Thanks for sharing. Um, I'm going to invite others, if anyone has any comments to share on what they've heard so far on our panelists. But before we do that, just a reminder for our viewers um, to be sending in your thoughts, your comments, your questions for the panelists as well. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so do keep those questions coming in as well. Um, so having heard people's initial thoughts, are there any other comments or thoughts, anything that anyone would like to add on that first question about what the hostile environment means to them. Feel free to, to add. Just, just want to add a little bit. Yeah, go um, ahead. To say that the hostility or the hostile environment as well, people going through this hostile environment a lot die in this hostile environment before they get to where they are going really. If what I mean by going is before they are being kind of secured, have a place or a base where they're supposed to live here in the UK or not and stuff. A lot of them still die here in the UK, but these same people are the same people fleeing from torture or persecution or being fear of their own life, you know, from where they're coming from. But in here, they, they pass away, they die as a result of the hostile environment because some of them take take their lives as a result of what the hostile environment has put them through. Their mental health deteriorates. They can, like uh, what uh, Simon said, they can have um, healthcare or GP or go to doctors or hospital for treatment and all, all that. Some of them become destitute as well, you know, living out there on the road on the street. You know, they some of them get mobbed as well. So. There's a lot of things, you know, put that in a, a broader context. There's, there's no right or wrong in a definition where how you can say this is the actual way hostile environment should be defined as or how it should be. It is, this is exactly what is just going or what people are going through year after year, sometimes in years. Yes, Rudy says some people are going, you know, this is not a gas chamber, you know, physically, but literally that is another way of gas chambering people in there because it's categories of people that they bring in there to, you know, to kill. Let me just say, you know, reduce them to nothing in terms of their mental health. If you know, that's where that that's ends up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Banksy, thanks for sharing. So we've had um, a few comments come in already from our viewers, so thank you for, for sending those in. Um, so there's a couple of questions that I want to group together. So they're saying about, so the hostile environment, this is one of the comments we've had coming in um, and asking a question around how we can debunk myths around immigration um, and immigrants. Um, so they're saying that the hostile environment was introduced because a lot of people believe that there's not enough room for immigrants in the UK. So um, is this true? And how can we help debunk, debunk myths around immigration and immigrants? Any thoughts on that? There's, um, there's lots of room for immigration. Now, look how much empty buildings there are, empty states there are in here. How much does immigrants play in the life of the United Kingdom? Immigrants are hardworking. Immigrants do works that British citizens are not willing to do, but immigration do it. They do, they do this work. Immigration build, they work hard because all they're trying to do is get their life together and support their family, just like anyone else would do. Mm -hmm. But the way they've been treated and the way they've been looked at is like they're nothing. Like we said about the Windrush, what did the wind rush when they brought them over? How many stuff did they build? How many stuff did they work on? When they looked at as when they looked at as British, when they British at first, until minority of some, but it turned on everyone. You know, it's like they look at as one, they turn it on a hundreds. So you 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 look, it's like they use and abuse and they throw you away but there's enough room for everyone. We live in a, a country, a world where it's freedom of movements. Why isn't there freedom of movements? We're in a world built for everyone to move freely. Okay, thanks really. Thanks for sharing your responses to that. C, do you have something to add to that as well? Right, okay. Yeah, um, like um, what you said, there is enough room, there is so many, should I say, that a lot of um, empty buildings right now that are people, people are not occupying and people, some of the rich men has bought those apartment houses and all that, it's empty, so many. And um, UK, literally, if we wanna go backwards and see what immigrant has done in this country, UK or United Kingdom was built on the back of immigrants. United Kingdom was built on the back of immigrants and uh, with them, with what their contribution to the society, to the economy of this country, they grow this ec economy very, very, very well. The economy grows because this country, people are striving, immigrants are striving, working some of the jobs that those that are British are not doing, they don't want to do it, which they call minor jobs. You know, if we look at the pandemic, what happened this pandemic this year, if most of those carers, frontliners, you know, those we don't even see the cleaners, these are immigrants doing these jobs. Yes, a lot lost their lives. 
and you know we we, we praise we say thank thanks God that they they came up they took they they had that boast help to do what they did for us to 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 to, to sustain us and we are alive today we will thank God we thank those NHS staff and every one and doctors and all the health cares and uh, uh, care workers all over the United Kingdom but one thing we have to understand is this that United Kingdom is kind of um, should I say he said use and abuse and at the end of the day they see them as peasants you know chaffs we do not want these chaffs anymore we have finished whatever just like you bring an orange and taking the juice from the orange the next thing you get is just the skin and all whatnot whatever left that is what they how they they see some of the immigrants or those coming and we have we have taken all the juice out of them so it's better if we just throw them. They are not of any value anymore. So this is where this whole thing is taking everyone to. But it is high time for, for the government and the people of United Kingdom to begin to value and see this as human being, as people, not as refugees, not as um, migrants and all that. These are names. These are names given to people. This becomes the name tag on them. It's, a, it's migrant. It's from this or uh, that. But they should see the goodness of these people, not you know what they tack their name as become migrant and, and they're but the, to just take this backwards, there is so much rooms in this country to accommodate every individual in this country, be it migrant coming in and those and the British public in general. Okay, thanks, C. Thanks for sharing. See me then. Yeah, I agree with much of, of what um, C and Riddy have said. Um, it, it's a fact that um, migrants are net contributors to the British economy. Um, it's, it's a fact that um, over the last five years or so, around 50,000 people have been resettled as refugees um, through the government's kind of central programme on that. 50,000 people over five years sounds quite a lot of people, but um, in Germany, a million people were resettled in one year. Uh, at the height of the um, most recent kind of Syrian um, prompted uh, refugee crisis back in 2016-2017. So um, the ar argument that there isn't enough room, um, actually levels of migration in the UK are, are actually relatively low at the moment. Migration to the UK are relatively low at the moment. They've been much higher in the past. Um, as the others have said, there are there is work that needs to be done and that um, others are not doing and, and often um, migrants are taking up those roles that, that others are not willing to do. Um, not that that's necessarily right. Um, I, I guess in, in relation to, to that other question about um, that, that suggests a way of looking at, at, at the issue of immigration from from a UK nationalistic perspective as well. There's also the fact that, that people who are um, trying to escape um, persecution or oppression have rights and they have rights to come to a country like the UK. Um, under international law, we signed up. To, we, in fact, we, we as a country helped create the Refugee Convention, which created those rights, the international rights. So if people are, have a, a well-founded fear of persecution, they can come here and we will find space for them and we will welcome them because that is our legal international obligation. Uh, as one of the family of, of the world of nations. Okay, thanks Emilian, thank you. And thank you for everyone who sent in questions as well, please do keep them coming um, too. Um, I'd like to move on to the second of the questions that we set to our panelists before this episode, 
Um, so we asked our panelists, can you share a piece of text, scripture or art that is important to you in relation to the hostile environment? And to explain a little bit about why you chose this as well. Um, so yeah, I'd like to open that up. Who would like to go first in sharing with us in terms of that question? Right. Um, yeah, I just, um, for me, it draws me down to Exodus in the Old Testament. If we, if we go to Exodus chapter four or chapter five, if we read down Exodus, then um, um, we'll, I'm talking about the Israelites migrated to, to, to Egypt and they face huge, the mountain of persecution from 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 the Egyptians and pharaohs and all that, you know, the workload, literally, if we read that, we'll understand what that text is talking about. Because these people, uh, this these the, the the Israelites were so much mistreated. They weren't they didn't have hospital to go to or um farm of their own and all that. They were working as a for slave, as they are slave working for the slave masters, you know, uh, no, no, um, no break. Literally, if I just put it that way, there is no break, you know, for them to 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 have a break time for them to do this. Literally, just work, 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 work. You know, at the end of the day, the the masters are not um, uh, happy with what they are doing. Is to tax them more. So. Is if I take that scripture down to this, is I bring it down to the same hostile environment in this place in UK as a whole, or with what is actually happening in the last few few years now uh, in the hostile environment because this was initiated or brought by Theresa May during her time. This is when this hostile environment came came into play. So, and you know pushing people from pillar to post and all, all that. They don't really have a sense of, of belonging, where they belong here, or uh, do they belong from where they are running from? You know, the ones in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, the, the scripture, they went for greener pasture, right? You know, to settle. I also become, you know, uh, uh, citizens of the Egyptians, but it never happened. You know, despite they still have family, kids, and all whatnot, they still didn't value them as as being um, um, uh, Egyptians. So it's some some of that, some of it is also inculcated in in what is actually happening here in the UK. You know, you you strive, you have your families and all that. Despite you're running away from where you're coming from, but you still don't belong here. You know, because yes, the paperwork and all whatnot. Fair enough, we have to con they have to control borders. But if someone is fleeing, I don't think the person have the right to go to come through the airport, you know, from his country and all that. It has to go through another means, you know, to get away from the, where he's coming from. So uh, on that context, it's just that same that scripture is what is has drawn to to mind you know, of what is actually happening here in the UK. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Steve. Thanks for sharing. Simeon, I'd like to invite you to share. 
Thank you. That, my, my, the one I've chosen follows really kind of clearly and neatly on from, from what C was talking about. So just a little later in the experiences of the people of Israel, uh, as recorded in the Old Testament, we have the book of Leviticus, um, which sets, sets the scene for how the community should be living together, the people of God, how, how they live together. And uh, Leviticus 19 um, verses 33 to 34, a really key verse uh, in relation to this topic. It says, when, when a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not oppress the stranger. The stranger who resides with you shall be as the citizen among you. You shall love the stranger as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So kind of looking back on that experience that the people of God had in Egypt of, of oppression, of, of um, enslavement, of, of uh, poor treatment, uh, God is reminding uh, uh, his followers that that um, that experience should teach them something about how they treat those who are living among them now. Uh, the, the the stranger, the foreigner, the sojourner um, uh, should be welcomed uh, as gift, and that's clo closely associated with all the other commandments that that um, that God is giving in this in this section of of, um, of the Bible. The commandment to, to welcome the stranger is repeated 37 times in the Hebrew scriptures. It's, it's clearly really important, probably also suggested something that people keep neglecting to do well. Um, but it is clearly central to, um, to, to, to what it means to be a, a follower of, of the God of Abraham and, and, and Moses. Um, so for me, I think that's something uh, as a Christian, as, as, as churches, um, we need to to treat with similar levels of importance, that instruction to, to welcome the stranger among us. And I also like that, that reminder that, you know, um, you were once travelers, you were once strangers in the land of Egypt. And in a sense, we are all travelers in this world, in this society. Um, it's simply luck or fortune uh, if we end up living in a place where we're welcomed, where we have rights. Um, so that points to the way that we should treat each, each other uh, as children of God. Okay, thanks, Simeon. Um, Rudy, what would you like to share? You said about text, scripture, art in relation to the hostile environment. Yeah, um, I have two arts. Mm -hmm. Can you guys see the arts? Um, the first art was uh, only only if you can see what what's on the inside. That's like a skull. What I done I done this skull a while ago when I was quite young. I done it when I was uh, when I turned eighteen when I was in detention center. Now this skull represent a happy person, but deep down is a bleeding person. You know, you look the fear within the eye. If you can see the, if you can see the art, you look with the fear in the eye. You see the teardrops deep, bleed deep inside, with emotions and feeling what's going on. The whole world is against you. You feel like you're right. You feel like you're by you're by yourself. All you can do is pray to God. Can God hear your prayers? Can God see your prayers? As you look on a on a on a right left eye, it's sinking in. There's a hole. It's a never sinking hole. Like you're always sinking in that hole. But you know there's hope, but you don't know when that hope will be or when you'll be revived from that hope. As you see the colours, all the different colours, is a different feeling of your life, of so many plans, but it's all be captured by the webs that your plans can't be fulfilled because everything is stuck. You're just, all you're doing is praying and praying 
but the devil's got his hands on you and he's just keeping you there. Like you can't develop or you can't go nowhere. You're just stuck. Every day is bad news after bad news after bad news. You just sink and you just sink and you just sink. Just seeing when that hope will come. That's what the painting, that's what it represented at the time with so much emotions and feelings. At the time, you couldn't speak it, but you can paint it. So we have a next painting where it brings me back as a child, being in Africa where you had a freedom of being yourself. Everybody was happy, markets, everyone was selling. Everyone was like each other's brothers, keepers, like how it was back, back in the day before Africa was conquered. Until they came and invaded, they took that life away from us. And you see the difference to where Africa is now, to where Africa was then. When, we, when Africa had a culture, when Africa believed in something. But now all you see is war, kids destroyed, kids are trying to come over on boats, dying, dying in the sea, coming here, being detained, some are getting through. It shows where the world is going to have people are misled by what they see on TV, what you see on news, what you see, what you see around the world. But deep down, anywhere European touches its foot, it becomes a destroyed land. Look at all these countries where there's war and you think, what is the point of this? But you realize it's the world that we're living. You must have a war to have a world. War runs by, that's how the world runs. Without war, the world can't run. Without conquering, you won't have nothing with all these phones, iPhones, everything that we got. These kids that are suffering to dig these mines to get these things for us to have. But deep down, these kids are dying in poverty. So this is what that's pink represented. Bring me back to like, I remember painting this in the, in the cell, bringing me back to how it was, imagine as a, when I was a kid, how beautiful it was to, to be proud for where you're from, only to come in and grow up and see now it's not what you thought it was. You know, it's another battle, but a battle in the worst way imagination, in the worst imagination. But all we all we have to have is God and have faith that He you should lead us. No matter what you go through, in every life there's always a battle. And this is one of the battles that we're fighting for. So we're gonna keep on fighting. So this is what these two paintings represented. Thanks, Riddy. Thanks for sharing. Um, we've had some comments coming in. So you mentioned about um, there, Riddy, about um, immigration detention that you'd drawn those pictures while you were in immigration detention. And someone has um, yeah, asked the question about the fact that how can the UK government hold people in detention indefinitely? So the fact that in the UK, there is no time limit on how long someone can be um, kept in, in, in immigration detention. So people can be kept there for um, an indefinite amount of time. Um, so they're saying, yeah, just surprise around that and surprise that this is, is this not something illegal to do things like that. I wonder, um, Rudy, see if you've got anything um, to share around, in terms of um, around indefinite detention and what people might be able to do in response to that as well? Um, indefinite detention, it came about under the terrorist law. As a terrorist, you're held without a court or without time limit. You're just held 
Now, that's what they was using for terrorists. But suddenly, they're starting to use that for people that was claiming asylum or immigrants or people that was convicted within the UK that went to prison and that was put in detention center or people that was coming in that was put in detention center. They had that power. They used that same law they used for terrorists. They used it on the normal civilized people that have not committed an offense that just come for life and they used that law. And that law existed even in court. When you went for court for bail, not even the judge had to say when you're going to be released or when. It's only up to when you've served numerous of time, they have sympathy for you. That's when they will release you. Or if you got the money for a good lawyer, then they will release you. It all came down to you have the lawyer because remember they took legal aid before people can get legal aid with lawyers. When they took that, it became hard. So those that couldn't afford a lawyer, they can stay in detention center for as long as they can. If they can't remove them, they'll just stay there. Into the home office has the sympathy to release them. So that's the law, the law, the rules that they was used. And people have forgotten about. Can you imagine you're coming from another country? You do not have a family over here, nor you have friends who, who know your whereabouts. You just disappeared. You're just gone. The difference is some people had families. You got families there, you got people you phone. So they're constantly fighting for you on the outside, trying to get you out. So the, the, those are the two, for those the lucky ones and the unlucky ones. You know, the unlucky ones are still inside or being removed. The lucky ones, they got family, supports, you know, welfare, church, helping them, getting them lawyers, helping them in court, bells, you know, giving them place to stay. You know, those are the lucky ones that's found that help and support and some that ain't. Yeah. Thanks, Rudy. Is there anything else anyone would like to add around that in particular, the indefinite detention? I, I think it's still shocking that this is a policy that is allowed by this current government. Um, it's not a policy that, that's uh, followed by very many other countries in the world and, and the company that we keep in having that policy is, is not, it's not good company. Um, you know, so I, um, there was a, a proposed amendment to the immigration bill that was going through parliament last year to try and end indefinite detention. And there was quite a lot of support for that, but not enough in the end, the government decided to overrule that. So it's had the opportunity to change that law quite recently and it has declined that option. I think we keep need, we need to keep, um, keep building up interest in this in Parliament and uh, contacting our MPs about it um, and uh, sharing the experiences of people like, like Riddy and, and, and how appalling it absolutely is. Because um, I think in the end, uh, in the end, right, right has got to prevail on this. Okay, thanks Simeon. See, is there anything you'd like to add or perhaps is there anything yeah. around what Freed Voices are doing around um, this issue as well? Yes, um, Rudy shared a very good one, and um, it's something I just want to add to what he's he said, um, and also what Simon said. Um, last year, uh, we backed uh, the amendment for indefinite um, detention to to be scrapped, and people had to you know tell for twenty eight days time limit, and the twenty eight days time limit was was kind of changed the way it was uh, 
uh, written, modernized by David Davids, was they were only talking about those, um, the Europeans for EUs, it was not general for everyone. So the only place that was, um, they added uh, people from Africa and the rest of them was um, something called N3 on that one. So that means the N3 can be taken away and you know, it becomes things. So for that, we did not back that 28 days time limit. This is three voices speaking. So, so, but the thing is that we are literally campaigning for these immigration policies to be abolished because it's literally a broken one. The immigration policy is a broken one at the moment, you know, and um, of recent, that was a um, couple of weeks, couple of months ago, I think Priti Patel, uh, uh, sent out a consultation for the new immigration bill about Nepal and, and the rest of them. So, but we, we also come up with joining with refugee councils and the rest of them to, to kick, to against, to stand against that bill because what that bill is talking about is, is literally not talking about anything about post-detention and detention, you know, and how people are, they only talking about people should come through legal channel, you know, gets, if, if you are escaping uh, prosecution and all whatnot and stuff, you should get a ticket from your country, get a passport and leave your country straight from the airport and come into this place. That is not going to happen. It's not going to be possible. You know, they are talking about people that are, has come through the back of lorry or through the English channels and all that, that those ones cannot be granted the papers and all that. But that is only the route whereby if someone is fleeing or for safety for his or her life, that is the only route that that person can take you know, to get to a place where he or she can stand and say, right, this is what is going, what is happening to me or my family, what I'm going through, I need security, I need safety. Then that is just that angle on that note where still come, the consultation is still going on, but I think it ended last week or thereabouts. So we'll hope and see what they're coming up with the next step. But on the aspect of the immigration detention center is so the judges as well, you know, um, they are not firm enough, you know, when it comes to um, what the Home Office or the immigration, the Home Office um, lawyers are saying, because the Home Office lawyers, some of them comes there and they say things that not, that are not unfounded, you know, these things that are not truth there against whosoever that is standing out there for bail. So, but the judges, what the judges look, uh, they weigh it in terms, do I favor this person or do I favor the home office, you know, to keep the person back in, in detention center? It happened to so many people, you know, there. And it happened to me, myself as well, severally. I was banged up there for a couple of years, for a couple of years, not just one year, two years. I was there for, for some time, just there you know, all in this same immigration thing. But people, you know, with what people are going through there, I saw a lot of things happen in that place. Somebody's tried to even slit his own throat in an immigration detention center. Some, they, you know, they, 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 they scar themselves with blades and all whatnot and stuff. It's horrible and horrifying thing for you to see. And when you see this kind of a thing, it lives with you. It's not something that will... You know, you come out there and um, the thing is, it will just leave you. It leaves you completely. So the policies literally is something that needs to change. They need to change it, not with what Priti Patel is bringing on now. 
But for me, if I am a government um, to advise the government, if I should say that way, but it's literally, yes, we have to control the border. But those that are in here right now, there are millions of people that are here undocumented. The best way to do that is this. We're not saying, oh, right, you have to grant asylum or grant um, um, amnesty, you know, that if that be if that is the case, so be it for we all to know and have everybody in the country right now documented, right? Then the ones coming in will be able to know how to police the border. But right now, the ones in here and the ones out there, you're not able to do it. Now, if I should go this way a little bit further, when the COVID came in, COVID came in last year, and all of a sudden, from 2019 and 2020, COVID came, and Boris Johnson and they, you know, home office, they announced that those that came in here with visiting visa, you know, came to see families and all that, their visa expired and all whatnot and stuff. They, they have right now to apply for further leave to remain. This, now they applied, they got further leave to remain. If the government can be able to do such for those that arrive, why couldn't they be able to settle those that are here already undocumented? You know, we have to weigh these things and see the government should have that guts to say, right, we should look at these people undocumented right now, undocumented, every one of them. Though some are working illegally, right, to feed their families, you could say, right, those four, we, we are now giving this, giving uh, documents to people, but those that can't afford it, this is what you have. But those can afford it because you're working illegally. This is what you have to pay. Now, for that reason, like those working, that means everybody is documented. Now we can be able to police the border or whereby who comes from where they come from through the channels and all that. Then they know that these people are coming because they are escaping and so on and whatnot. But without that, I don't think this will continue to happen. The the hostile environment will continue to to to, to play in the, the 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 policies that is broken can't be fixed. It will continue to be broken continuously. And those working in there as the case workers and stuff, some of them do not understand what this case is all about, and they continue to make errors in people's cases and continue to destroy people's lives. Okay, thanks, C. Thanks for sharing. We've had some more questions coming in. I want to be moving on in the thing when we said our theme was about hostile or hospitable and what is and how we respond to the hostile environment. So to start moving about on to thinking about what our response should be. So that was one of the questions we sent out before about what response actions should we take in response. But people have also asked, are there positive examples of hospitality towards immigrants, which you've seen in the UK? Um, so perhaps thinking about that one first. Or what are the positive examples that we've seen in the UK? Um, anything that people would like to share? Well, we have so many, um, so many organisations, charity organisations, supporting mm -hmm. refugees. Some of these charity organisations also help them secure accommodations, food stamps, give them food, some clothing, baby diapers and all whatnot. There are so many positive things when it comes to uh, the work so many charity organizations are doing and some communities as well. 
you know, helping out, helping these refugees. All right, now this draws to mind what happened in Glasgow. That was um, last week. I don't know if you guys saw the video. This yes. is this is this is community base. This is a group. This is community. The community are there helping a migrant or an undocumented immigrant. There is is this is exactly what the 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 the, the, the free voices are, are are doing or trying to put it out there to have this um, grassroots uh, uh, campaign because when you have grassroots campaign. Then you'll be able to 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 to, to reach out or to, to to speak to so many so so many people. Then they will be able to understand why things are the way it is and how changes can be made. You know, with that, that is the only way we can break this barrier. Otherwise, this is a very strong hold. It's like um like what um, um Rudy said in his uh, picture discourse you know as like the devil is got hold of the person is literally where uh, if i should use that word the devil's got hold of them in terms of what they are how they are being how they are doing or treating people and the policies it's not going to change you know grassroots campaign will help to spread this news wider even to to the younger uh, uh, audience that we are talking to today, you know, or even below this 15 to 20, but you can go even downwards, you know, when he, when, when you speak to them and go through this grassroots campaign, they will be able to understand and embrace this migrant or these people to understand, right, is this what these people went through? Is this what they are going through? Is that why this person left where he or she lived or his African or his native country or whatever, down to my country because of safe refuge and all whatnot? They will begin to understand that to educate people more, you know, grassroots campaign is the best forward and and we can see the evidence or the the benefit of it with what happened in Glasgow and also with um, uh, charity or, or organizations and uh, and there in, in in here in UK yeah thanks Steve thanks for sharing Simeon have you got any thoughts on yeah uh, positive examples and what we could be doing in response to the hostile environment one of the things that I get to see in, in my work is um, is how local churches are engaging with this issue and um, uh, quite a number of, of congregations around the country have uh, run um, uh, in normal times at least uh, kind of um, groups or drop-in sessions or lunches or um, support services um, for people who are um, asylum seekers or migrants or, or um, you know people of different status um, where in contrast to that culture of hostility, they can um, uh, demonstrate a culture of hospitality and of welcome. Uh, and um, often uh, it'll be around food uh, and, and sharing it in food, um, but also through the food conversation and listening and learning from each other, lives are enriched in every direction through that and um, people are also helped. There are some very specific schemes as well. Um, community sponsorship is, is one of the ways in which um, uh, refugees can come to the UK um, and a community kind of can take that, uh, that task on of, of organizing the things around it, putting in place the support and welcoming people. And, and many churches have been at the forefront of, of being community sponsors of refugees. And then the third example I would give uh, connects to what, what C was talking about, which is campaigning together. 
um, in the last uh, 18 months uh, has been a, a joy for me to be part of um, a group called Lift the Ban, uh, which is campaigning for asylum seekers to have the right to work in the UK. Um, as you, you might know, people who are um, applying for asylum um, often have to wait a, an enormously long time before they hear the outcome of, of their um, application. And often, even then, there might then be an extended process while an appeal goes through and, and evidence is gathered. Um, during that time, unless they're in very specialist roles uh, or have a very specialist background, um, they're not allowed to work. Uh, and that you know denies opportunities to earn a living and all the benefits that come from um, from being in the community, from meeting others and all of that and you know, benefits of mental health and, and, and so on. So there's been a campaign, uh, a coalition of groups, faith groups, um, uh, national charities, but um, specifically lots of groups of migrants come together uh, to work as, as one to campaign for that, for that policy to change. Now we're not there yet, but the process of working together on it has been really um, uh, uh, joyous actually and I've learned so much through working alongside um, those who have direct personal experience of these issues. Mm -hmm. Thanks Simeon. And Riddy, have you got any um, positive examples of hospitality to share? Yeah, um, just that the refugee tells that the walk-in inquiry, what we've been doing and the way before the lockdown, the positive side of it is that when you get to meet different people from different backgrounds, and we go on these walks. Then we do like my favorite one, the five days walk. It's like you walk, it kind of takes you away from having that experience, if you know what I mean. Puts you on the positive side of things. You learn about countryside life, you know, people without a big house, people without, without having to have a bath, without having to shower, walking like five days a walk to where's awareness. Those are the things that kind of shows you that the, the tables are turning and there's more people being aware of what's going on and more you're listening to different people's story, different people's background is quite great, you know? And after the lockdown, after like we had the lockdown with the coronavirus, we had that community where we're, we're talking like we're talking now on Zooms and we're still communicating and there's books out there people can read and understand more about certain things. So, and there's charity groups that's working hard to help people, giving them clothes, place to stay, shelter, these churches. Mm -hmm. There's so many stuff that's happening now. I feel that we're in a better place. We was, we're a better place now than we was back then. Well, now we're starting to understand more. Now we're starting to learn more. You know, we all, we all want, we all just need to, learn to communicate and work together and understand one another. So we're getting in that place and Refugee Tell is working so hard to understand and putting that community together and the community, what they're building is very good. You feel like you're part of something, you know, you belong to something and you're working to achieve something. And our goals are to work. We know that immigration ain't going to stop. These, this is, this is inevitable that immigration will stop, but, just give it at least a plan for this 28 days, you know, have people so they know where they stand. These are the rules that we're fighting for, like writing letters to the MPs. You know, we are working at the same, we're working, but at the same time, we're starting to understand more and stop having that hostile lifestyle because now I work, I've got a family. You know, look back then, my life has changed the way my life was then to where my life is now. So I know there is a God out there. 
you know, you work hard, achieve hard, you will get what you seek for. That's why now I'm always happy. I can't be sad because it's no pain being sad, being happy, just keep working hard. So I want to help those that are still in that, that situation to come out. People are feeling free to talk more, you know, just to let them know there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there's always a light. You know, Jesus went through the darkness, but he got to the light. There's always a light. So these are the things I look forward to. So he's going to keep working hard. Thanks, Rini. Thanks for sharing. And um, we've had a comment coming in. So someone saying that they are new to the topic of the hostile environment and asking where can they go to learn more about it for beginners? So for people who are new to it, how could they find out more? Are there any resources or things out there that people can, might be helpful for those who want to explore it in more detail? So I, I can offer um, some resources that we put together as part of the joint public issues team. Um, uh, which include um, a, a detailed report for those who want to get into the real the real kind of depths of it, but also um, videos and um, Bible studies and, and youth resources around this topic of the hostile environment. Um, and you can find them all on the, on the Joint Public Issues website. So that's jointpublicissues.org.uk. And then if you do slash end hostility, it'll take you straight there. So um, okay. yeah, that's a good, good place to start from my point of view. Okay, thanks, Simeon. So yeah, lots of resources there that people go to. Um, C, have you got any suggestions or maybe a little bit about how people could get involved and what Freed Voices are doing as well? Yeah, um, for people to, at the moment, our resources are just with us. So we're kind of, um, um, our website was taken down sometimes. So we're just looking forward for people um, people to help us in terms of building our website so that we can put our materials or the, our works up there so that other people can read and educate themselves through our the website but but also if they won't really want to uh, uh, they be able to know what free voices are doing you know in terms of the work we do our main purpose is to campaign against um, the policies the, the immigration policies which is not really, which literally is a broken immigration policy right now, and able to offer offer um, alternative to also to detention, alternative to detention, those that are rather taking everyone to detention, you know, then people should be accommodated in the community locally, you know, that again, people have to have, need to be integrated in the community, then, then it will save costs from the taxpayers because a lot of people, the people they detain in there, one person, one person costs a taxpayer for the 3,000 pounds a year, per year, per annum, for the 3,000 pounds per individual that goes in in detention center. So if able that detention center is closed, that money can be put into good use mm -hmm. locally you know, there's some people ask a question about um, housing and all whatnot and stuff. That can also come together for to build houses. When you put 43,000 pounds a year times how many migrants they accommodate there literally every year. So that's a whole lot of money. So, but if anyone wants to contact or see Free Voices, they can get to email Free Voices at FV 
fv at freevoices.org.uk and we are seeking people whoever that can help us build a website or an organization that will help us you know do that for us thank you okay thanks Steve. thanks for sharing that um riggy have you got any things about how people could learn more and perhaps sharing a little bit about um the walking inquiry from refugee tales as well yeah, there's, there's a lot. There's a website, walk, uh, Refugee Tale website. You can see all the stuff that you need on there. You can leave your name, your details on there. They'll contact you back. We have like walking inquiry. We have like days that we meet up and walk. Now that the lockdown has lifted, I don't know when the next one's going to be, but there's a few coming up. That way we all walk and meet and you can learn a lot. You can speak to people that's been detained and people as visitors. You know, there's a there's a there's a wild community of us. So, and people online and the people that can contact you as well to speak to you to give you more information, send you out books. So just go on our website, Refugee Tell. It's a lot to see on there. You know, yeah, community very friendly. So it's refugeetales.org, and you can get involved in the walking inquiry as well. So they're wanting people to think about um, detention and asking questions as well. Okay, thank you. That is bringing us to towards the end of our programme this evening. So it's been really great to have all of your input and thank you to, to our panellists. Thank you to everybody who sent in questions and was watching at home. Fortunately, we've come to the end of our hour um, for our programme this evening. But thank you for all of your involvement. And we hope that this has helped you to explore more about the hostile environment. And do go and check those resources that have been discussed tonight. Keep an eye on the URC Youth social media where they'll be continuing to share more for the rest of this month about the topic. Um, but we hope that you will go and explore more about this yourself as well. And we will share links to things that have been mentioned tonight um, on the URC Youth Trialog Facebook page so that you can, we will direct you towards the things that have been shared. But thank you for being involved. Um, next month, um, we will be looking at the theme of Pride. So June is Pride Month and URC Youth are going to be looking at, um, at Pride as their theme for the month. So um, we will be meeting again on the third Thursday of May. We're now in a monthly, um, uh, we're now Trialogue is now monthly. So it will be the third Thursday, which is Thursday the 17th of June. Um, you can join us live at 7pm or watch back anytime after that. And we'll be looking at the theme Pride in the Bible, exploring what we think the Bible says. And your host will be Ruth White. So do join us again on the Thursday, the 17th of June at 7pm. Um, we will close this evening in a short prayer. So let us pray. Lord, we give thanks for our discussion this evening and for the opportunity to explore the theme of the hostile environment. Thank you for all of our panellists tonight in sharing their own experiences um, and helping us to explore that topic and in particular, um, how we can respond to the hostile environment. We pray for everyone who's impacted by the hostile environment and for everyone who is working and supporting those to create a more hospitable environment where um, we are able to welcome the stranger as we discussed this evening. We give thanks for our discussions and pray that we will be able to keep exploring this and what, we, what our personal responses will be. 
Amen. Okay, thank you everybody and good evening. <music>